Learning from Crisis, Engineering a Safer Future. A global conversation with senior leaders to explore the impact of COVID-19 across key aspects of the world. Discovering what we can learn from disruption to create positive, transformative change. This podcast series is brought to you by The Resilient Shift, an initiative of Lloyd's Register Foundation and Arab. In this episode, we look at education and the global impact of COVID-19. What has changed and has it changed for the better? Could this pandemic lead to a reshaping of teaching and learning across the world? I guess it will take us a while to understand some of the implications of these changes. The ideas and observations you'll be hearing about are based on a series of discussions which were led by Dr Juliet Mian, who's the Deputy Director of The Resilient Shift. This initiative helps to ensure the safety and continuity of the critical systems that we all depend on. These are systems that provide essential energy, water, transport and communication services and underpin food, healthcare and education. The initiative works with people and organisations from all over the world. Here's Juliet to set the scene. The topic of this discussion was education. We covered quite a broad range within that from university level education, vocational training, um, also working in local government and science as the receivers of education. So there was quite a, a breadth to the discussion. All of our participants in some way or another focused on science and engineering. So there was definitely that sort of aspect to what we were talking about. And a lot of the points that we that we talked about can be broadened out and be applicable, I think, to education in a much broader context. These discussions bring together leading researchers and global experts who are part of the Lloyd's Register Foundation community. The Foundation is an independent global charity that supports research, innovation and education to make the world a safer place. Here are some of the discussion highlights. From elementary schooling to postgraduate level training, it was acknowledged that significant resilience has been shown by the many institutions across the world that were quickly able to make use of online learning during this pandemic. However, the experience of one of the participants in this discussion very quickly brought home a fundamental point regarding the use of digital technology for education. Okay, so just to give you a very practical example, in your last input, I picked up every fifth word. This is Dr. Deborah Roberts. Deborah is a co-chair of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change and is also a South African government worker. She's head of the Sustainable and Resilient City Initiatives Unit based in Durban and has set up partnerships with the local university to encourage and train the next generation of practitioner scientists. While digital technology has become a lifeline in education for so many of us, Deborah's experience in South Africa and that of other countries in the global south tells a very different story. It emphasises how this pandemic has exacerbated educational inequality across the world. It's the reliability, the connections are, are not strong. It's so stressful. 
we also have power problems. So, for example, in South Africa at this point in time, we have rolling blackouts. For other African colleagues, there are some places where the Zoom platform won't work um, because it's barred. Ethiopia, for example, has lack of access to internet, very tight government controls. In the month leading up to this discussion, Deborah had an 80% failure rate in her commitments to deliver presentations or participate in online meetings and training. As well as the huge global digital divide that Deborah's experience highlights, the move to online learning during the pandemic brought another issue into the discussion, which was outlined by Dr Shervin Malaki. Shervin is the Director of Global Development at the Welding Institute, a research and technology organisation that works across all sectors of industry. Every year, thousands of people across the world benefit from the industrial training programmes offered by TWI. During the pandemic, the organisation was able to quickly move to 90% online training and certification. However, this led Shervin to a broader point of discussion about efficiency of online training versus its effectiveness, particularly in very hands-on industries, such as the welding and non-destructive testing that TWI supports. Are we training people to get a better pass mark now in the online courses, or are we training valuable expertise for industry? So from efficiency point of view, I can say we have increased the pass mark. Whether that means we have trained a better engineer or better welding engineer or non-destructive testing engineer for a safer um, industry or not, that's something I can't answer. The importance of recognising the significance of this dilemma was echoed by the Director of Skills and Education at Lloyd's Register Foundation, Dr Tim Slingsby, who was the co-moderator for this discussion alongside Juliet. Shervin and TWI and the Foundation have a, a programme called the Southeast Asia Skills Enhancement Programme. And the motivation behind that was that every day around the world, more than a thousand people die because of an accident at work. So our motivation was to make sure that there was a whole cohort of engineers trained and given the skills to improve safety within relevant industries. And 80% of those who've gone through the training and into employment have said that there are new safety inspection rules being implemented by their employers directly as a result of this training. So I think there are real consequences if it turns out to be true that um, People are just better at passing exams rather than being more effective engineers. We're not going to turn the dial as much as we want, and we're not going to make the world safer, and accidents and incidents rates are not going to decrease. The discussion also noted that the more reliant we become on digital technology for teaching and training, the more vulnerable our education systems will be if internet access is adversely affected. After all, global viruses can be digital as well as biological. Another major challenge in online education is how to make social interaction flow more organically. Whether we're talking about the swapping of ideas or working in a group to solve a problem, conversation is a vital part of education in all subject areas. One idea from this online conversation was to work with smaller online groups and set up cup of tea type sessions where students can talk about issues and ideas in an informal setting with no fixed agenda. On the other hand, the discussion also noted that the move to online education during this pandemic 
has provided opportunities to try out different ways of making remote learning more interesting and collaborative. Dr Rhys Morgan is the Director for Engineering and Education at the Royal Academy of Engineering in London. There's been some really great developments, so lots of innovation happening, many more universities developing simulations instead of uh, labs. I remember really dull lab exercises on a Wednesday morning, and you can replace that now with simulations, and the students can explore much more interactively and in a much more meaningful way. So I think, you know, there's some real benefits through uh, simulations. I've also heard some universities are running live lectures. So even though it's online, actually it is live so that they can do that real-time testing of students' uh, understanding of the content. And they can use mobile polling or online polling methods. Rees also said that this pandemic has really brought home the complexity of global problem solving. Consequently, he feels that the way engineers are trained needs to reflect this. We need to totally redesign engineering education. We need to completely do away with, you know, these siloed engineering departments, civil engineering, mechanical engineering. We need to turn everything on its head. We need to reshape our thinking about what the education of engineers should be. We need to broaden our engagement with other disciplines. Actually, we need to be reaching out much more to the arts, humanities, social sciences. And we need you know, engineers to learn entirely new ways of thinking and looking at problems. We spend so much emphasis on the convergent part of engineering, the maths, solving the equations, making sure the bridge doesn't fall down, but very little in uh, asking, do we need a bridge at all? So that systems thinking right at the heart of, um, you know, engineering thinking. And actually, it's those kind of things we need to be teaching engineering students. So in very broad terms, systems thinking encourages students to take an all-embracing view of how different areas link together and impact on each other. And the importance of nurturing a systems thinking approach in education is also something that Deborah feels strongly about. Working with her local university in Durban, Deborah brings early career scientists into the local government environment as part of their training, so they get a realistic picture of the challenges that their work aims to address. My very simplified view of learning and instruction is encapsulated in the idea that you learn from the soles of your feet upwards. You've actually got to understand the world you're in in order to be able to respond to it and and be effective. And, you know, going forward in a world that's constantly changing, you're going to have to be very attuned to how the world is changing. You can't be complacent and distant and academic anymore. You know, you've really got to get your hands dirty at the coalface. Someone who's very familiar with the concept of getting their hands dirty at the office is Dr Kristen McCaskill, a civil engineer by training with a background in the water and transport sectors. Her research interests include resilience and disaster recovery. She's also a lecturer in engineering, environment and sustainable development at the University of Cambridge. Kristen also said that the pandemic has highlighted the importance of educating engineers to be more holistic in their approach to problem solving but she said that industry needs to play its part in this. It's also needing industry to be looking and wanting people who are like that, because at the moment, I think, unless you specialise, it's hard to know what job to apply for, because you're applying for a job in civil engineering or in bridge engineering. And, And the way engineering is structured in the profession at the moment is to narrow down people's skills quite quickly. And if you don't do that, 
you pay the price in your ability to gain promotion because it's harder for people to pin down what your skills are and how the company can make money from you. And regarding global inequality in education, Kristen summed up what she would like the experience of this pandemic to lead to, drawing on her own experience of the education system in New Zealand. One thing that I have hope for is in New Zealand, we have really good universities, but we don't have access to the, you know, the, the very top universities in the world unless we pay international fees. You know, and that access is even more difficult for people from developing countries where they have even less access to finances. You know, and there are a lot of scholarships available. But, you know, if I, if I was to come to Cambridge as an undergraduate, I literally would have to be, you know, the top few percent in New Zealand in order to have a chance to get one of the few scholarships available. And I just hope that as part of coming out of the pandemic, there is some rethinking around access to education and what role a global university has in the world. I just think going forward, there will need to be some different kind of thinking. This online discussion forms the basis of an insight report, which covers the points made in more detail. We'll be providing information on where you can find this report at the end of this podcast, but it's hoped that everyone will be able to benefit from the ideas and suggestions made. Juliet gives us her closing thoughts on education and the impact of COVID-19. One thing that we've seen is that institutions can change and can change quickly when they have to. So that just led us to a really interesting conversation about what else needs to change. If, if we have the opportunity to transform education and education of engineers and scientists particularly, what would we do differently? And for me, there were probably two things that really stood out that we've maybe over many years been becoming more and more specialised and more and more, I guess, siloed or rigid in the disciplines that we work in. But we have seen from COVID that we are all part of a big, complex system. There's no silver bullet. There's no one answer to these problems. And education needs to be more holistic. That engineering education probably needs to bring in different disciplines, be more multidisciplinary, think about subjects like resilience engineering, which brings many different abilities and disciplines into solving the problem of resilience of systems. And the other connected part of that is to ensure that we reduce inequality by providing access to education. There is the very tangible challenge of how do we improve connectivity so that people around the world have equal access to education, but also how we all work collectively to ensure that there is a, I guess, a a global common ground on how we're approaching these challenges. There's a need to to level up and that this reset after COVID may be the opportunity to, to do that in the space of education. One priority issue for this would be the access globally to technology and connectivity and ensuring those in the global south are not um, limited by poverty and accessibility from accessing the information learning education online that they should be able to. You've been listening to Learning from Crisis, Engineering a Safer Future, brought to you by The Resilient Shift, 
an initiative of Lloyd's Register Foundation and Arab. A more detailed insight report based on this discussion is available on the Resilient Shift website, resilientshift.org.